Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It is 135 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer, Derek Scott, and Brendan S. Scott with you. Um, we are going to uh, bring aboard Sportsnet color analyst Louis DeBrasque for GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel uh, parts and turbochargers at great prices for over 50 years. You can uh, visit GCLDiesel.com. Louis, how are you doing? Doing well, Bob. How are you doing today? Good. I want to read you a text so we can both uh, shed some insight on this. Uh, Bob and Louie, as we go to the Ashley Fine Flores text line, from a player's perspective, with the limited bump in the cap this year and potentially a more significant bump projected for next year and possibly the next, etc., do you see a scenario where a larger-than-normal number of UFA RFAs may opt for one- or two-year deals and roll the dice so that they could get more lucrative deals in the next year or two as the cap increases? Or will security uh, from a longer-term deal still win out? All right, Louie, I'm going to put you on the spot. You've played. You have a son who's a free agent. Is he a free agent, a UFA, or an RFA in a year from now? UFA after this year. He's a UFA after this year. So so what I would say to answer your question, um, I think it just depends on the player and the situation. It truly does. For instance, Eric Howell just re-signed with the New Jersey Devils. Probably could have got a little bit more in the open market, but he decided to take a little bit less with a little more security. Still a great deal for him, in my opinion, but he had a good year. He had a real strong year. He likes his situation. He likes where he is. He signed a three-year deal, and he'll be comfortable in that that situation. Other players, if it's a if it's a player, let's say like my son in that age, where it's your first year of unrestricted free agency, that might that might change the situation. I'll say Tyler Bertuzzi right now, the Boston Bruin. They acquired him at the deadline. He bring they bring him in. He had a great playoffs. He's looking to get paid. He wants to get paid now, and he expects a certain amount over a certain period of time. He doesn't want to sign a one-year or two-year bridge, which he was doing in Detroit for years. He wants to get a secure long-term deal is what I'm imagining. Um, but who knows? If he thinks the cap's going to go up exponentially, 
nationally in the next year or two, which everybody feels it's going to, yeah, I, I do believe you are going to see some players tap into that, bank on themselves, go out there, play another year or another two years, try and build up their numbers, and then go and sign a long-term deal. But the age of the player, where they are in the situation with their certain respective organization, and how they feel the future is going to look is going to is going to really weigh on the decision they make in that regard. But it's a great question because I really do think with the cap only going up as much as it has, Number one, it changes the way that teams are looking at free agents. They're certainly going to have to do some housekeeping and bookkeeping to make sure they can get players in that they want to acquire or players that they want to get signed. And for the player's perspective, it's the same thing. They're going to look at all options if they have those options and make the best decision for them accordingly. So we had Elliot on in the first hour, and he joked around about Connor Brown. And I'm like, Elliot, my source was actually you talking about it on your podcast. <laughs> so, I, but I, I mean, and he's a really interesting one because he missed all but four games last year due to injury. The sense I get is there's guys in the league like you know I've loved Connor Brown for years. Yep. And we've talked about him. We've I know ta- why. What's that? He's a good player. He's a, He's a good, good player. player. Brings a certain dimension. And I'm sure. I'm sure there's some organizations that would probably pay him three times three right now. But and that's. I don't that, think there are. I know there are. You know there are. Okay. That said, is there a possibility Edmonton? He played. He was a teammate of Connor McDavid's. He'd play in the top six in Edmonton, probably on the right wing with McDavid. Um, he could drive some real numbers here as a right winger on a one-year deal base bonus. This guy might be the actual poster boy uh, for your, the exact type of scenario that the texter is talking about, Louie, where he bets on himself even, even if he takes less term and, for that, money, that matter, less base money. And what better place to do that than Edmonton? I agree with you 100%. That's the perfect example of a player coming off a long-term injury. They could step in here, obviously knows Connor from his junior days, has a great relationship there. Comes in here on a team that is trending in the very right direction. Comes in, puts up big numbers in a one-year deal or a two-year deal, and then signs a long-term deal. Proves to everybody that the injury is over, that he's healthy, comes in, puts up big numbers, because he's going to get that opportunity here. And he's going to put up numbers on the highest offensive team in the National Hockey League. Um, it'd be a win-win situation for both sides. So, yeah, yeah, that's a perfect example of a player. And it's also a player that you and I have talked about a lot. Right. He, I don't want to say poor man Zach Hyman, but he's very similar to Zach Hyman, in my, in my opinion. He's similar in his work ethic. He's similar in his drive. Does he have a little bit more finish? Maybe. Um, you know, like, we don't know that. But with the right players, who knows? Maybe he puts up 30, 40 goals. Maybe he does. Um, he has those abilities, I believe. I don't know if that's what he projects at coming in, but he certainly brings that dimension of work ethic, size, drive, and right now that's what Edmonton is looking for. They're looking for players in that mold that can come in and make them a much more difficult team to play against. Louis, what do the Edmonton owners do with Philip Roberg? Great question, and I've thought a lot about it, Bob. I, uh, it's a real tough one for me because he's a young player, and he's a young defenseman, which is really key. Um, because we've always talked about defensemen taking more time to develop. I'd be lying to you if I said that I, 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 have, I haven't seen enough yet from Philip, in my opinion. Yep. Um, I want to see more. But at the same time, I know he's endured some injuries. He's had to battle back from things that were kept secret that we didn't know about, and you never really know what a player is going through um, from that regard. And he is young. So 
is there is there a longer leash there for me to let him try and fill out and try and develop into the player that we expect him to be? And let's put that in perspective now. The player I'm expecting Philip Broberg to be is just a real solid NHL defenseman, first and foremost. I'm not looking for him to come in and you know knock it out of the park and be your, in your top two or top four. I just want to see a confident defenseman that comes in and believes in his abilities. And I think that's the number one step for Philip Broberg. He has to become a regular, and he hasn't done that yet, in my opinion. So, and he hasn't grabbed the reins. He hasn't grabbed those opportunities and, and made good on those. But again, you look back at the age, um, his situation coming into pro hockey, he, he suffered some injuries. He suffered injuries almost every year that he's been in pro hockey. So would I give him another year? 100%. I would give him another opportunity to try to come in and just stabilize as a player because you can take off once that happens. Um, but but I would, in my opinion, I, I think there needs to be more there. There needs to be more assertiveness. I think he needs to use his size a little bit more because he's a big kid and he doesn't use it to his advantage, um, which in today's day and age, I think it's ultra important. Just go out there and, and compete and make it really difficult for the opposition to get the spots. What I see happening, and you and I have talked about this, I really think he's trying to process the game at the fastest speed that this game is played at. And when you're trying to do that and also trying to do other things, be physical, tenacious, you know, use your size, there's just too much on the plate. I think they tried to alleviate that this year a little bit with him. He was playing with a young defenseman, Evan, Bro uh, Evan, Evan Bouchard as well. So Broberg and Bouchard played a lot together. And sometimes that can also sway your opinion because you don't have that stabilizing factor playing with a young guy. Like, for instance, a guy like Matias Ekholm playing with Bouchard at the end of the year, um, you see what it did for his game. Now, I think um, Bouchard was already kind of trending in that direction. We saw what he did last year, um, two years ago, sorry, into the playoffs. And then last year, again, into the playoffs, he was our best defenseman as far as offense, and he really grabbed those reins. That's kind of what I want to see from Broberg, but maybe not to that extent. I'm not looking at, like I said, I'm not looking for anything knocked out of the park, but there has to be a step taken, and it has to happen now. We're joined right now by a man that was selected ahead of Nick Lidstrom in the 1989 NHL draft, Louis DeBrus. Yeah. Louis, that draft, that, that, draft was, <laughs> that, that draft was in Bloomington. Did you go to that draft back in 89? You know, it's, a, it's, it's actually a really great story because I wasn't going to. I was represented by Newport Sports that time. At that time, you need to be drafted in the first three rounds or first year of eligibility. That's how the draft worked back then. So my first year of eligibility at 18 years of age, I had to be drafted in the first three rounds. Not like that anymore. It's open. So... My agent at the time was, I knew I was on the bubble. I was somewhere in the second, third round, third round most likely, or a little bit later. And um, Donnie Meehan just felt, and he'd seen players sit through the whole day. And that was when the draft was done entirely in one day as well. It wasn't a first round on the Friday and then the draft on the Saturday. It was all done on the Saturday one day. So I was roofing in my hometown of Port Elgin at the time. And it rained. I got off the roof early. I was staying with Brian Lush, who is a friend of the family that let me stay at his house and work in the summertime because my dad would only let me stay up in my hometown if I was working in the summer. <laughs> so Big Den made me go to work, so I shingled in the summertime. So we get off the roof. We're going to shower up and go get a bite to eat, play some pool, kind of start to enjoy our weekend. I get a phone from Wayne Maxler, who is the coach and general manager of the London Knights. And he says, why aren't you in Minnesota? And I said, well, I was told that I might not get drafted. They didn't want me sitting there the whole day and being disappointed. If I get drafted and they call me, it's still a positive thing. 
he goes, I think you're going to get drafted. I've talked to a lot of people here at the draft. He used to be the coach in Detroit, and he knew a lot of people in the NHL still. And he said, uh, I want to fly in. So the London Knights actually flew me in on their dime wow. to uh, Minnesota, and I ended up being able to attend my draft, and I got drafted 49th overall by the Rangers. And it was uh, it was a wonderful day. It was a great experience. And, you know, Wayne Maxner, who is actually going through some real health issues right now, um, and I want to say Ohio to him was uh, a big reason why I attended my uh, my draft. Well, you had a different experience, Louis, when when Jake uh, got drafted back in 2015, and he ended up going middle of the first round. And I know uh, that you and Cindy weren't necessarily convinced maybe that was going to happen a couple years earlier that he'd be a first round draft yeah. choice. And now he's had multiple 20 uh, goal seasons, so he's lived up to that selection. I, unfortunately for Boston, as opposed to the other two guys that went before and after him in that draft year. But how wild of a run was that watching Jake sort of progress from being a guy that maybe some people didn't think could play in the Western League to, you know, sniping 40 in his draft year and and, uh, and ending up at the top half of the draft that year? You know, it's, uh, it puts a smile on my face because you just heard my story, which was, you know, it's a little different. It was a little more common back when I was drafted, 2 and 89. We didn't have the platforms we have now, the ability to watch the players the way they can now. So people did get lost through the cracks. People got lost on the shuffle. It doesn't happen very often here. There's, uh, And I'm going to say this right now. There's always late bloomers. So And if there's players out there that are on that bubble or don't think they're getting a lot of attention, just understand that players mature and grow at a different rate. You can still be very, a very, very great hockey player and keep moving forward and keep playing pro. So I'm not saying the draft is everything. By no means it is. It's just another step in the game of trying to achieve the ultimate goal, which is playing in the National Hockey League. In saying that, though, with with the coverage now that the draft has and with the ability to watch players, talk about players, break down plays, and see how kids play, most of the players that are going to be in the draft are kind of aware that, hey, I got a pretty good chance of being drafted this year. Let's go and, and go for the experience of it. Um, Jake was in that situation, and over the course of that his year in junior that year under Mark Lamb and Swifty, I mean, he really had a great year, and, it, and his stock just started to rise. And it was really neat how to see that, but you never really want to kind of take anything for granted. So I, I was... I think I was more nervous than he was, to be honest with you, Bob. I went into that draft in Florida, and uh, I remember he was sitting, and I think I've told you this before, he was he was beside me. I was on the aisle, he was beside me, then it was, I believe his girlfriend, or Jordan, girlfriend, mom, grandma, and it was like everybody was kind of lined in the row. And he leaned over to me after about four or five picks, and he goes, listen, <laughs> he goes, when I get drafted, <laughs> when I get picked, I'm going to go down and hug them, and then I'll come back and hug you when I come out. And I'm like, I look at him and go, I'm glad you're confident, kid, because I'm sitting here, you know, I can't really say what I was doing at that time, but you're nervous. You're nervous for your kid. You want it to be a good experience, but uh, as it turned out, it worked out okay, and that's exactly what he did. He got up, he went down and hugged the line and came and hugged me and went up on the stage and shook Gary Bettman's hand. It was a, it was a pretty crazy and wild experience, and every single parent, every single sibling, Cousin, uncle, grandparent, anybody that's associated with that player, uh, it's a special day. It really is. It's an exciting, special day. They do it up. It's a big production, and uh, as it should be, because it is a step, but that's what it is. And then from that point in time, it doesn't get easier. It gets more difficult. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Louis, one final one for you. We're hearing a lot of tracer fire about Calgary. Yesterday, Frank Cervalli saying Noah Hannafin, uh, Elias yeah. Lindholm, uh, Michael Backlund could all be leaving. Then later in the day, Elliot Freeman, we had him on earlier today. Tyler Toffoli's out there. So, Louis, I love the Battle of Alberta. I want the Battle of Alberta. I don't want Calgary to go through a rebuild. I want the Oilers and the Flames to be as competitive as possible and both organizations to retain their best players. Um, but... Calgary could be headed down a path here, couldn't they? Yeah, it's, there's, it's almost like a ripple effect, right? You look what happened with Johnny Gaudreau, how that all went down with his free agency, and it just leaves a bitter taste in everybody's mouth. Nothing, the player has that ability to do that. I, you know, I look at that and I say, when you're an unrestricted free agent and you have the opportunity to test the market, then that's your option. You can test the market. John Tavares in, in on the island. You know, they couldn't get that deal done. He goes to Toronto. Like, that happens, and that's on the player, that's on the organization, the discussions they have. The Matthew Kachuk situation, obviously, we see how that worked out for Florida. They get an amazing player there, the best player in the deal, which we always felt he was the best player in the deal, but I, I just didn't know if he was as good as he as he was that one year, but he duplicated that year in Florida with another team, and then the run they had in the playoffs was, uh, was pretty extraordinary. So it worked out. But because of that, that's a major shift in an organization when you take out two players of that caliber that had, in my opinion, maybe the best line in hockey that year with Lindholm, Gaudreau, and Kachuk. They absolutely lit it up. And, you know, Lindholm for me is the guy that I think there is going to be a ton of teams wanting his services. Maybe your son's team. Um, 100%. And maybe that means my kid gets traded in the deal. I don't know. Like, that's the wow. thing, right? When you yeah. when you acquire a player like that, you're going to have to give up something to get him. And, and you have to give up a lot. It's players, it's picks, whatever. I mean, it's certainly going to be a combination of that. That's where I hold Elias Lindholm in my pecking order, where I feel he can be. That's how good of a centerman he is. I've always believed that in him. Um, I never I never forget the first game I covered when he was with the Flames. It was a Vancouver-Calgary Hockey Night in Canada game in Vancouver. It was the season opener for, for them and first game he's playing with his team he goes in there and I did the game. I was between the benches and I came over we doing after hours afterwards and I looked down the hallway and he was out there doing doing a, a circuit with a dumb with dumbbells in the hallway after playing like 20 plus minutes in the game. Like he's, and I remember I always remember like um, you know him being compared at that time um, to uh, Patrice Bergeron. Um, and it was just, it was, you know, to me, just, just the habits, the habits that he has, the way he plays in the puck, his 200-foot game. I mean, he scored 40 goals um, two years ago and was in the talk for the Selkie, and he was my Selkie winner. As much as I love Bergeron, uh, we get a little bit lost out in the West sometimes, I believe, and I just feel he had a season that I was surprised that they didn't want to put that uh, put that on him. But uh, that's what I think of him. Hannafin's obviously a defenseman that has played more games than I believe anybody in that draft year. So he, I think he was right there. He hasn't missed a lot of games. He started right when he first came in the league with Carolina. So he's games played. He's got that experience now. He, 
as a defenseman, yep. he's got a lot of hockey left in him. Those are three pieces that I think a lot of pe- teams would want. Backlund is in the same caliber for me early in his career as Lindholm. I think Lindholm is obviously more of an offensive guy. But Michael Backlund is like, he's a solid, solid player. 100%. This is a guy that could step into an organization and change them because it gives them that much more depth, kind of like a Ryan Nugent Hopkins in Edmonton for my for my money. Nugent obviously has had the offensive explosion, but they were similar players and they were just so secure and safe for you as a coach. You could put them out in any situation. You knew exactly what you were going to get. You could match them against the top line. Um, those are three players that Calgary doesn't want to lose. I'm on the same page as you, Bob. I, I would hate to see that happen because it would make them uh, a, a candidate to be regrouping or... Um, you know, starting over yeah. and trying rebuilding it, like and I and you're right. I would rather see both of these teams go head to head for years and keep that battle of a bird alive and well. Louis, you gave us a lot of time uh, this week. Thank you very much for joining us here in Oilers now. Absolutely, bud. Take you, care. You bet. Uh, it was only three Hall of Famers that he was drafted ahead of in 1989. That's right. Uh, Lidstrom, Fedorov. Pavel Burry. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pasta, and so much more. Get their new boneless wings, 8 for $13.95, 16 for $25.95. Royal Pizza is still making it great. Louis DeBrus joined us for GCL Diesel. Uh, we're going to go to List Day and Orders History for New West Travel, serving travelers since 1979. Book your vacation today at newwesttravel.com. We go back to 1999. Wayne Gretzky, uh, who was on our show a week ago Monday, he headlines a three-member Hockey Hall of Fame class, becoming the first player inducted immediately upon retirement. He held over 60 NHL records when he hung up his skates to go with four Stanley Cup rings all here in Edmonton and a seemingly endless number of hearts, Lester B. Pearson's Lady Bings and other hardware. And as good a player he is, he's even a better guy. Wayne from the Edmonton operation, uh, inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame on this date back in 1999. Reed Wilkins has Inside Sports Night from 6 until 8. Uh, tonight, uh, former Edmonton uh, Eskimos legend and receiver Terry Vaughn. Man, oh man, I was talking to Dave Jamison recently about uh, Terry Vaughn, and he knew how to get in the heads of opposition players. Uh, Elks broadcast host and 630 Chad Brendan Escott, who, of course, is a big part of our show, and uh, meet a CFL fan who's trying to set a Guinness Book of World Record by watching games in all nine CFL uh uh, markets in the shortest amount of time. That's coming up tonight on Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins from 6 to 8. Reminder, Sunday, the Elks and the Argos uh, from Commonwealth Stadium, 3.30 countdown to the kickoff show with Brandon Escott, uh, 5 p.m. Uh, kickoff of the actual game. It'll be Morley Scott, Dave Campbell, Blake Dermott, Brandon Escott, and David Bowles with all of your coverage on 6.30. Chad, the play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Elk and the Edmonton Oilers. Monday, what a show we have for you coming up. Edmonton Oilers General Manager Ken Holland for Contract Equipment Limited, George LaRock, and NHL Insider uh, John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, uh, and then Ted Henley live from Calgary, 3 to 6. Special thanks to Derek Scott. Thank you very much, Derek, for filling in today. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Back at you on Monday.